Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is quite simply one of the biggest names in British fashion, a woman who's been working tirelessly for over 30 years, dressing not only celebrities, but royalty too. After graduating from Cheltenham Ladies College and a brief stint as a model in New York, she found herself drawn towards making her own clothes, starting her very first boutique in Chelsea back in 1990 with a loan from her father. She quickly made a name for herself and 18 months later was introduced by the deputy editor of Vogue to arguably the most famous woman on the planet, Diana, Princess of Wales, kickstarting what fast became an incredible working relationship. And from there, her client list exploded. In the 30 years that have passed, she's dressed everyone from Liz Harley to Demi Moore, Charlize Theron to Scarlett Johansson, Beyonce to Helen Mirren. And of course, she's still very much in the royal circle, regularly dressing Catherine, Princess of Wales, and Meghan, Duchess of Sussex. Behind the scenes, though, it's been a battle. In fact, her life in the 90s reads like a box set you'd want to binge. First losing control of her fashion label in the late 90s after a tricky divorce, which saw her husband sell it from underneath her, only to buy it back again a decade later with her new partner as a backer and her business partner. Coming back stronger than ever with a flagship store in the heart of London's Mayfair before the pandemic saw them to have to make the truly difficult decision to put the company into liquidation and close their doors for the final time last year, in 2021. But now she's pivoting to something entirely new, a podcast that sees her draw on her extraordinary fashion experience and knowledge, interviewing the likes of James Blunt, Trini Woodall, and Sophie Ellis-Bexter about the role fashion's played in their life in Amanda Wakely's style DNA. Yep, you guessed it. It's time to dial her up. It's Amanda Wakely. Hi, 
Hello, hello. How are you? I am great. Thank you, Kate. It's wonderful to be on on the other side of a podcast, having been recording myself for the last few weeks. I know you've done 10 episodes of season one of Amanda Wakely's Style DNA. And as guest lists go, wow, you have really hit your little black book hard, haven't you? Well, I, I have, and I've been really lucky by my incredibly generous guests who have said yes to me, the novice in my first season. Um, but I've had such fun doing it. It's so insightful and it's a whole new world. Listen, when I saw your the guest list of who's on the first 10 episodes, the one that jumped out the most to me was James Blunt. Like, what does his story from his wardrobe tell you about him? Because obviously, I mean, he was a man in uniform for many years and actually probably still is a man in uniform. He has jeans and a shirt, let's be honest. He's not known for, you know, sort of Liberace style flair. He is jeans and a T-shirt and and many pairs of the same jeans. Um, but I was really fascinated to know, you know, he was went to school in uniform. He went into the army in uniform. And, you know, the army's yeah. not just uh, uniform, it's armour. You know, it's sort of, it's camouflage. It's keeping you alive. It's So there's there's all of that and what your status as an officer means and how that impacts your troops etc etc there's there's a there's a load of questions there plus there's there's the very very funny self-deprecating James Blunt and then of course you've got Trini Woodle on the show now Trini's wardrobe is probably something that could be also housed in a hangar that also that takes in aircrafts I would imagine this is a woman with extensive extensive style history extensive style history but she is what's fascinating about Trini is she's so uber organized with it all and so um on top of it she's you know she's not one of these women that just buys and buys and buys and forgets what she has she she really is incredibly purposeful with her her wardrobe um you know Mm. as would come from you know making over five thousand women in her in her time, five thousand, um, and so as as you would expect, she talks about clothes and getting dressed in such an informed way. She's incredible. But then it's how she's used that knowledge into the beauty industry. You know, she's created this mm-hmm. phenomenal beauty brand. Um, so she is she's an awesome human being. Um, it's quite humbling to be in her company. Um, But she's incredibly generous with her knowledge too. Trini is much like your good self. She's well-lived, well-educated, well-armed, and she has been through some trials and tribulations, but look at where she is now. So with that in mind, I wanted to ask you some of the same questions that you ask of your guests as we dive into your first question. On your podcast, uh, you ask your your guests to share their fashion lives and therefore the stories that sit in and around what's come and gone from their wardrobe. And I wondered if you could give me some of the most revealing outfits that have hung in your wardrobe and share some of the moments that sit around them. And wanted to push back to you with one of the questions that you ask your own guests and start with, what is your outfit of a lifetime? Oh, my outfit of a lifetime. That's a really, really good question. 
Um, but I think um, probably the one that I'm most emotionally attached to and I put the greatest thought into um, was what I wore to my father's funeral. My father loved fashion. He loved my mother and I to look gorgeous. So it was really important to me that what I wore to his funeral was sort of honouring him and that he would, I hope, be looking down thinking, don't the girls look good? They've really made an effort. But at the same time, knowing that I needed the cocooning nature of a really beautiful jacket around me and, you know, um, a, a wonderful big collar to sort of nuzzle into and really look after me during what is a tough day. Really tough day. So that was your armour that day. I think armour should be whatever's going to make you feel good. Your dad was a man of uniform in as much as he was a surgeon. So yes. he was a prolific surgeon. Um, often, often in scrubs. <laughs> often in scrubs. Um, and, and, and also somebody that truly believed that you, despite the fact you had no design education whatsoever, could go on and forge your own fashion brand and gave you a £20,000 loan to start your label. He obviously had great faith in you, Amanda. He really did. And actually, Kate, some of my earliest childhood memories of, of, of going into town Chester, our local town, with my father on Saturday, he really nurtured my dressmaking skills. And we would love nothing more than to go into town together to this beautiful silk shop. And he was so unbelievably patient with me as I poured over the colours and literally bought a metre of this or a metre of that and, you know, had really designed something in my mind there and then as to exactly what I was doing with it. So he was very, very instrumental in me innate um, dressmaking skills and just, you know, encouraging me to just do it. And I suppose, you know, he would sew a lot of people up. I'd sew a lot of clothes together. <laughs> Both good with a needle. <laughs> Both good with a needle. Both had a fascination for anatomy, but just different sorts of fascination. Very true, actually, when you look at it like that. Well, I mean, I really, I, you know, I, I think about it, I often laugh to myself because my grandfather was a, a very, very senior surgeon and his whole thing was anatomy. He wrote books on it and all the rest of it. And I sometimes chuckle to myself and I think, yes, I'm fascinated by a woman's anatomy and how to enhance and make the most of it and you know whether it's whether it's through how you cut something uh to to make a woman's body as as beautiful as as possible um and then all the way through to actually my own love of health and fitness and you know being strong and fit and 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 healthy um but it you know it's all back to anatomy isn't it so your dad obviously i mean that's a great endorsement for a man of 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 his time to take his daughter to a fabric shop to stand to wait to share the enthusiasm uh of clothing and not to treat it or dismiss it as frivolous um but i think that's that's probably very been very important in terms of you understanding that that could be a career path Absolutely. And he, you know, he was he had a fantastically feminine side to him. And, you know, he loved colour. He loved beautiful fabrics. And, you know, as I said, he loved nothing more than to 
take my mother shopping twice a year because that's how it worked back then. And I remember going with them and I loved the whole process of um, my mother and father choosing a few outfits together, probably in Jaeger at the time. And it was just, and back then Jaeger actually seemed to be really glamorous and really, yeah. yeah, really beautiful. So I was exposed to that love of beautiful things early on. When you studied at Cheltenham Ladies College, that must have required some thinking around, you know, that that one and a half days a week where you get to wear your own clothes. So I'm, I'm from Cheltenham and we used to see you girls, the you Cheltenham ladies girls in town on a Saturday morning. And I always felt for you because you were forced to wear your school uniform. It was hideous. It was the most disgusting, mushy pea green. It was really, and I don't care what colour your skin was. It was really unfortunate on all of us. <laughs> but I think I think that was part of the, the design. You know, let's not make these girls remotely interesting to the opposite sex. <laughs> You you obviously have to start a school life wearing uniform, but you have that Saturday afternoon and Sunday where you can actually identify yourself via your wardrobe. So what did you pack in your case, Amanda? Oh, my God, Kate, what didn't I pack in my case? I became a genius packer, that's for sure, because I wanted as much stuff in my school trunk as I possibly could, which required very good packing skills. I loved making clothes for my school friends. So, um, you know, I'd, I would come back at the beginning of term with clothes that I'd made during the school holiday. And then I would sort of probably, I, you know, I, this sounds really commercial, but it wasn't, but it was, it was fun. But I would, I would gather commissions from my school friends as to what I was going to make the next holiday, <laughs> whether it was suede trousers or a silk top or whatever it was. But it, so my entrepreneurial spirit spirit started quite young. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm very impressed. A bit of a sort of Del Boy with style. Completely, completely. <laughs> and then I would, you know, trawl through the secondhand shops and customize things and um, trawl through the you know fabric markets etc and you know find that you know meter of offcut of cashmere that was just fantastic and I'd have to adapt the design to the amount of fabric that I had. <laughs> but probably I mean as self-education goes probably the best you could have asked for or hoped for at that time. Completely and and actually I sometimes think that had fast fashion been available then, I don't think I would have had half of the creativity um, or the entrepreneurialism that I just found because that's what you did. Yeah. You know, the, the, there was no such thing as vintage. You went to a secondhand shop, a charity shop, <laughs> and, and you rifled through it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that cool back then. God, and now I'm making myself sound really old, aren't I? But, no, but you were but, absolutely right. I remember foraging around in secondhand shops. Nobody called it vintage. There was no charm to it. It was almost none a bit like at your skin. It was that, the inference was that. And you're like, no. I mean, certainly in Cheltenham, the, the charity shops were just heaving with amazing finds if, if you looked exactly. for them. And, and I love, and actually to this day, I still love the hunt. I love going to a market 
you know, to whether it's a local market down in the country to see what the local artisans are making. And I just, you know, I suppose as a creative, your eye is constantly on. You can't yeah. help yourself. If your wardrobe told a story and you had to pack what would form three great chapters, one outfit representing each. What are those outfits and what are the chapters? Wow. That's a, an interesting question. I think or the importance of sport in my life and has very much impacted on how I design. And there's always those lovely sportswear elements, whether it's how a sports top is constructed, actually translates really beautifully into a cutting of an evening dress, for example. Really? Oh, beautifully. If you think of the seaming on a sports bra, it's really sexy and beautiful. And you you recreate that in something that's embellished or embroidered or beaded and you follow all those beautiful seam lines. You come up with something really cool and sexy and modern and yet timeless. Never thought of that. That's so fascinating, Amanda, because it does make sense. Because you're right, it's about hugging and supporting the, the parts of our anatomy that make us infinitely female. <laughs> as as Kate grabs her bosoms. I know, as I, as I <laughs> mine up. I'm not answering your question in a particularly um, well thought out way, but I, I, you know, just in terms of what's impacted my design life. So sport and sportswear, form over function and function over form, has it, it's been a lovely um, tension, let's put it that way, a creative tension in, in my life. Then texture has always been really that lovely combination of texture. I love how things feel. So whether it's cashmere or, um, or silk and, and so combining the two, whether it's the lovely oversized cashmere sweater with the sleeves lined in silk back in the day. Men had cashmere sweaters, but women didn't somehow. You know, cashmere lasted a lifetime. It was a beautiful men's crew neck or v-neck and that they had. So when I first started, I thought, hang on, that's just wrong. Why can't girls have a beautiful cashmere sweater too that maybe is inspired by that man's sweater that the man can't borrow back. You know, we all borrowed our fathers and our brothers' big cashmere sweaters. But um, but then I thought, how funny would it be to turn the tables and create this cashmere sweater that the man wouldn't probably borrow back? And I mean, now in this era, everyone's wearing everything, and that's rather gorgeous too. So that beautiful cashmere sweater with the satin-lined sleeves looks equally gorgeous on a man as it does on a woman. Let's talk about the 90s uniform uh, at a time when you were dressing royalty, uh, Sloan Rangers were left, right and centre. Um, what represents that kind of kind of almost golden uh, era of your, your the beginning of your design career? Um, I would say it would have to be a slip dress because that was that era it was it was the absolute wardrobe staple and whether it was a wonderful silky one cut on the bias that would just move beautifully with you I always think about um, how something how you're going to be in something are you going to be dancing in something so then how's that 
stress going to move with you as you dance? It's so important. People don't, what we do is we try something on and we stand in our very, in our most flattering positions in front of a mirror and go, that's great. In a very static way. And, you know, do you dance with your arms in the air? Possibly. So do you want this sort of huge, great, bulky sleeve that's going to make you feel very unsexy on the dance floor? Yeah. Or if it's something that you, I mean, for me, a lot of the clothes that I select for work I wear sitting down, so I look at everything sat down. And is it flattering? Pockets, for example, are great on a tailored dress until you're on television sitting down. Then it adds about three inches to your hips. Yes, or does that gorgeous slit that shows your lovely legs actually show your knickers too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you sit down. So, so yes, I think, I think being a woman designing for women is, is quite informative because we do think, you know, what am I doing in this? Yeah, exactly. I think we really need to think more about what we're going to do while we're wearing it, as opposed to, does it look good on my grid? Does it look good on my grid? I love that. <laughs> it's so true, though, isn't it? This is 2022. This is how we roll. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I will never, ever forget um, being told by Will I Am at a, a fashion event um, and going up and, and being introduced to him and him saying, I like the way you roll. And I thought, oh, my God, that is about the best compliment about how I look. (laughs) (laughs) That man's got style. Oh, my God, he's got style, hasn't he? He just oozes it. Yeah, I love him. Never afraid to walk his own path. Okay, are you ready for your next question? I am ready with a glug of wine, please. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As we alluded to in the intro, your path through fashion hasn't always been easy. I think I likened it to a box set that I would binge were it 
actually a television series. I mean, you've had phenomenal success, but also phenomenal challenges, some terrible betrayals and some some really, really difficult moments where you found yourself having to kind of fight your way out of a variety of corners. But those moments, those chapters, they teach us so much, don't they? And the resilience that comes with them, I think is invaluable. So I just wondered, what qualified do you think as the most pertinent and informative of those difficult moments for you? Oh, God, I, I think there are many of them. But uh, and I don't mean to run away from answering that. But I do believe in two things. You pick yourself up and you learn from those mistakes. And you try and work out how you got it wrong. And then you evolve and you push it behind you. I do genuinely feel that if you keep reliving those mistakes and talking about them, you're actually hardwiring them into your brain. And I think that is really, really unhealthy. So no, I don't, I don't deny that they happened. Um, No, I don't um, know that I haven't learned a lot along the way. Do I do I really want to relive them? Um, no, they're you know well documented. Yes, I you know I temporarily lost my name. What doesn't get you makes you stronger, and it's and I really do believe it is how you deal with adversity yeah. um, rather than the adversity itself that makes you the human being that we are evolving to be all the time. But that's the bit I'm really interested in is is how you deal with those moments, not necessarily the moments themselves, because you're right. You know what you what makes you great is how you rediscover the ability to get back up, put yourself back together again. And you say you temporarily lost your name. It's huge. You are Amanda Wakely. That is your name. Yes. And you do feel very violated. Um, But I suppose sort of growing up with two older brothers, you just you know you have to pick yourself up off the floor after they've knocked you over and and get up shake yourself off and go and be one of the boys again (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm one of those women that is just sort of very robust and shakes myself off you know yes it's you know it's a big deal when it when it happens but I think there's something fantastically nurturing about getting outside being in nature taking some exercise in fresh air and I have never, ever done that and regretted doing it because you come back in and you just feel like, OK, I can start my day again. We've had previous guests that share much the same advice um, that kind of resets you for the it's day. It's a like, trend. <laughs> actually, I think people are genuinely interested in how you overcome adversity. What are the you know, we talk about an armor along the way in life. I've certainly had to toughen up. We're not born with thick skin. And I don't necessarily know that having thick skin is a good thing. But I think that at some points I've had to be almost armadillo-like in order to cope with the negatives and allow me to hold on to the positives because there's always the two in existence. It's just which do you give prominence to? I think that's really, really true, Kate. I think it's about trying to compartmentalize a tiny bit without it um, taking over, you know, giving your vulnerabilities their, their time. And I think it's really important to process this stuff, but then not to let it 
overtake your life. They are part of you. Own it, but don't become a victim to it. We live in slightly a, a victim type culture now or a, a grievance type culture that it's someone else's fault. Well, actually, at the end of the day, we have this gift of life. Wake up in the morning, think, how am I going to make the most of this day and make a difference to my life and actually to the people around me? And just be kind and make someone else's life a bit better. Then your life is being well lived. When life sometimes kind of knocks you off course, we re-pivot, don't we? And is, is the podcast a really good example of that for you? Here you are at, at this stage and age in life and, and you've held on to that fashion brand for 30 years. And, and last year I had to make a very difficult decision. But rather than sit at home and cry and just create some sort of shrine out of all your greatest pieces, you've just gone, right, OK, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? And here you are. That's resilience. It, it is, but it's also, it's purpose. I, you know, I think having a purpose in life is fundamental. It's what drives us, what excites us and inspires us and feeds our soul. And for me to be able to actually look at a clean sheet of paper as, as I, you know, have done at, and think, okay, so I've got 30 years of amazing experience, brand building, passion for fashion and creativity and crafting and making women feel better. How, what, what can I take from that and actually create a whole new chapter? And there's loads, you know, I've loved and do love doing commentary. It was a great privilege to be, you know, with Kirsty Young on the BBC for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and talking about her fashion. And I and I love to be writing about fashion and, you know, to be being asked by publications for my opinion, to take a moment and think about how fashion is affecting our planet horribly. And how can I try to be part of that positive change? That's a tricky one, right? Because if you're a designer, you're constantly having to push new collections, which is asking people to buy more. And actually what you're saying is taking your design hat off and being a human being, let's buy less. They're not compatible, are they, as messages? <laughs> and, and I know that. But I, but for me, my brand was always about, and my, my design values are always about buy less, buy better, um, get your pounds per wear. You know, we were, I was doing a shoot the other day and I, and I wore a dress that I, I designed 25 years ago and I felt fantastic in it. And in fact, it had a lot of fun in Ibiza this summer. So fashion by its very nature encourages you to buy more, buy more, buy new, buy the latest, the greatest, but, but actually most human beings have create their style and sort of stick to it. And that's how I came up with this whole style DNA idea in the first place. And I was starting to write a book around it. You know, how do you find your style DNA? Who are you sartorially? Part of that was I created this little questionnaire to try and work out who you are sartorially. And that would be part of the book. Then the whole podcast world started to explode and I thought actually this is a really interesting conversation with so many people what what makes you tick sartorially I'd love to know 
how much time passed between you having to make the difficult decision to close your business and you restarting with all of these many, many new strings to your bow, where you're kind of taking everything you've learned over 30 years and just applying it in different ways and in, on different platforms. Did you give yourself time to lick your wounds or were you back at your desk the next day? Um, well, unfortunately, my wounds um, were a little bit deeper because... Um, um, I, I lost my brother sort of two weeks after the business closed. Oh, I'm so sorry, Amanda. That. That, uh, thank you. So not only was I grieving my brother, I was grieving my business. It was a complicated time. And I, and I just, I thought to myself, actually, you don't have to get up and go to work at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. You're lucky. Process this. Take a moment. You have for 30 years, you've worked your ass off absolutely day and night and as a business owner or the name behind the brand you're always checking daily sales checking emails all the rest of it and for the first time really in my memorable adult life I thought you know what take a moment you've got the whole second half of your adult life ahead of you take a moment this is this is amazing you can put a clean sheet of paper out in front of you and you can start to write ideas down. And you don't have, just because you've written them down, don't, you don't have to do them. Mm. And then you can reflect and you think, what's going to make me feel excited and passionate and make a difference? And, you know, is that starting up a brand all over again in a highly, highly complex time? Talks of recession and talks of this, that and the other and so much uncertainty in the world. How lucky am I to be able to rethink my work life and take this moment and think, okay, so actually I can be a commentator, I can write, I can host my podcast, I can do wonderful brand collaborations. I know I can bring a lot to the table there without actually having to have the brand. So it's it's actually a really exciting time for me. But I've given myself time to process the sadness. I've I've appreciated the importance of sleep. You know, because I, in my younger years, you just sort of think, oh, you know, a cup of coffee in the morning will get me kickstarted, and you know, I'm sure I'm fine on five hours sleep. And actually. I need to get up to work out so I can wash my hair before going to this, before doing that and getting to this meeting, whatever, whatever. And actually, you sort of slow down, reflect and say, no, actually, sleep is really fundamental, really fundamental. And it goes back to kind of, you know, what we started talking about at the top of this question. Sometimes what we perceive as difficult moments actually can have the most value. So you come out of what was, you know, I mean, a difficult thing to put a business to bed and then a huge loss within your family. But actually, it's it's made you it's made you reset and you you sound lighter and brighter as, as a result, ultimately. Completely and utterly. And I think if you if you can't take the positives out of adversity, then it's a shame. Um, for me, I, I would have been really missing the point if I couldn't um, couldn't take the, the positives out of that. And you know, I whether it's learning the lessons from business or the you know the loss of someone close to you to realize 
he doesn't get the choice to be here. I get the choice. You know, I'm lucky enough. I woke up this morning. Okay, how am I going to make a difference today? Um, you know, on in my life and the world, if I can, does sharing my vulnerability and my journey perhaps resonate with one of your listeners and make their journey a little bit more, give a little bit of light at the end of their tunnel because when all this shit happens it's a pretty dark thing it's you know you're in shock you're in grief you're in all of this stuff but there is light at the end of the tunnel and you know and I I think I always knew that last year but it's on some days it's quite hard to see but it does happen and I know it's a really hackneyed saying but time is a phenomenal healer and and you know just being kind to yourself taking a moment reflecting it 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 really does pay huge dividends and then not to be forever navel gazing and and you know i'm not joking about this you know wiring of your brain if you keep coming back to those negatives you're in a negative cycle yeah and it, it, it defines you right yeah, it becomes your. It becomes what defines you. Exactly, yeah. and I and you know, I that's not who I am. I I am a woman who's had a, an incredible career of thirty years to date, and I am so excited about my new career and my new projects and this opportunity that. It's yeah, I don't I mean that God, that sounds really smug. I'm not smug about it at all. I just feel really lucky. I feel really lucky to be here. Smug. You sound excited. Well, good. (laughs) Now, listen, talking about what defines you, ready for my third and final question, because it's time to talk legacy. As a designer, I mean, your name is is known around the world. Um, And for years now, you've been dressing some of the most famous women in the world. Um, So I wanted to know from you in your own world, what have been the designs and the moments that sit around them that have formed the Amanda Wakely legacy? Because it's not just about the women that you dressed, it's the moments you dress them for that I think have an incredible feminist narrative. Oh, God, how kind. I mean, I think for me, I think to know that my clothes have made an impact on that woman rather than the world is what's really important to me. There's, it, it's fascinating. You know, you, I've been in, you know, in the design world for long enough to have had so many conversations where women have said to me, Oh my God. I wore your dress on my wedding day. Oh my God, I wore your dress to my sister's wedding or what, whatever it was. And I, I've got so many happy memories or, you know, business women saying to me, whenever I've got a tricky day ahead, I always reach for Wakely. And, and to know that I have impacted on their lives in a, in a positive way, albeit in a sartorial way and I know you could say well come on that's not really important but actually how we feel 
is really important. How we how we feel on a daily basis is really important. And I can talk to you about it because you're a woman and you really understand what I'm saying. But your clothes do the talking for you, as do the women that elected to wear them. And because one thing I should point out is, yes, you've dressed many, many of the female members of the royal family. These are not outfits that are gifted. They are bought and paid for. You cannot gift to a member of the royal family. They're not allowed. So they elect to wear you, as did um, Theresa May. On her first day as prime minister, she chose to wear a Wakeley. That's a big day, a big moment. That, that's a photograph that will sit in a frame forever somewhere in her home, right? As well as, you know, obviously in the history books. Yes, that was lovely, actually, because she had she'd been a customer through one of my wholesale stockers for many, many, many years. And, you know, I'd see pictures of her and think my god that was 15 years ago that she (laughs) she she bought that or whatever um and and I do remember um a friend of mine was was close to her and and it was literally two days before she took office and I said has Teresa got what she's wearing on Wednesday or whenever it was sorted oh yes 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 she's wearing a navy suit by a German designer let's put it that way and I said whoa after second female prime minister in history cannot take office wearing a German designer. I don't care who she wears, but she's got to wear British. (laughs) Good call. Um, And anyhow, got a long story short, she ended up wearing something that she already had in her wardrobe, but unfortunately was down in in Henley. So I, I actually... At her, you know, she didn't have time to get it. So I actually lent her a, a sample of an exactly of what she already owned. I know the work ethic she has, and I knew it was the last thing on her mind. But yet, as a woman, you want to look after other women and make sure that they find their best. And, you know, and, and that's why I popped the necklace and the bracelet into the, the suit carrier and said, I know you love chunky jewellery. I hope this will, you know, make you feel great. You smell the whole outfit, even down to the accessories, because you know full well that you're quite right. Our second female prime minister and her wearing, because it would have been an afterthought on that day, you know, she she should have better things to think about than what she's wearing. But that would have been a stick with which the media could have beat her with. So you literally had her back in that moment. And and I think that's a the, the really good example of that is came a little later when she wore a uh, pair of your leather trousers, which became known as Trousergate. And I've never seen, because these were leather trousers that you wore for a shoot that were expensive, but nobody sits there and goes, well, hang on a second, how much did Boris spend on that suit? You know, it's so misogynistic. It's absurd. It really is. And again, it was just, yes, she had been very busy and her, you know, one of her aides rang me the night before and said, that she's doing this shoot, any recommendations? And I said, well, would you like me to drop some things off in the morning? And and yes, it is absurd that just because they were a, a beautiful pair of leather trousers of a certain price, because they're beautiful, those trousers, with a lovely cashmere sweater. And I thought she looked great, actually, um, and relaxed and, you know, uh, and appropriate. Um, but I think it's completely absurd because, of you know, how much is a Savile Row suit? And actually what saddened me is that it was another woman that really picked up on mm. the 
it, it was just it, it just felt wrong yeah and talking about seminal days diana was your first and most famous client and continue to wear uh, your designs throughout the years across her life and opted really importantly to wear a, a no-nonsense two-piece of yours on the day she resigned from public life. Another huge day for her, another example of how fashion can become armour. Um, that must have been a big one for you. It, it was huge, Kate, because at the time, the actresses were being dressed by the studios, probably. It, there was none of this sort of strategic dressing that goes on now. It's hard to imagine. And, you know, it was pre-internet, pretty much. Yes, and, and so, yes, she was the most photographed woman in the world, but rarely was it commented who made her dress. Rarely. And, and I was very, very lucky. I had no idea that she would be wearing it for that moment. And yeah, there were some little angels somewhere who, and somehow it was picked up in the press that she resigned from public life wearing Amanda Wakely. And, and that was phenomenal for me. You two were um, of, of similar age. Um, you dressed her often, and I think together you probably learned the importance of, of of her as a clothes horse. And I say that, and it sounds like the compliment I mean it to be. But royal members of the royal family were not clothes horses in that way until Diana came along, and you two managed to work together to walk that fine line between Hollywood movie star glamour and appropriate attire for the Princess of Wales. How did you do that? Well, that's that's very generous of you. I mean, there were there were quite a few designers at the time working with her, but I think fundamentally she enjoyed clothes. She really mm. loved clothes, and she had a great figure, beautiful height and legs, and all the rest of it. So she was an incredible figure to to be dressing. She knew the power of the messaging through her clothes. And I was lucky enough actually to do quite a lot of her informal sort of off-duty wear too. And she had a cheeky sense of humour. And I, at the time I was doing a beautiful um, black cashmere roll neck bodysuit with the whole back cut out. And she took it in several different colours. She just loved this, you know, demure from the front and super sexy from the back. She loved that sort of, that twist. Um, so, yeah, she she had fun with clothes. You also dressed her daughter-in-laws uh, as they would become. Kate Middleton won uh, well, one of your gowns for her first solo engagement. And so as much as she'd been very much in the public eye for many years, this was her first time stepping out on her own. You and I both know we've discussed this, the importance of wearing something that makes you feel the best you in that moment because she's exposed yes and the fact that she chose to wear Wakely that endorsement was fantastic yeah and the same with Megan she chose one of your designs as, as as her outfit of the day for her first outing as a member of the royal family in 2018 again significance you know huge significance well, thank you. Yes. I mean, I, you know me, I just I sort of you go on to the next thing. <laughs> you I don't I don't sort of um, hang around and, and pat myself on the back about um, these things. But it's it's lovely when women choose to wear Wakely for important moments of, of their life, whether it's their wedding day or their first 
outing as a member of the royal family or whatever whatever it is. Well, um, what about when you sit down to watch a, a Bond movie uh, like Skyfall and you see Naomi Harris wearing one of your dresses? Is that a moment for you? Oh, it, well, it was a huge moment for I, we knew I knew it was going to happen because actually, as as they do in the movies, uh, you know, in the making of movies, they'd actually had to have seven of the same dress because no. yes. Yes, I don't know whether they had planned to use it for another scene where she was going to, you know, get flung into the sea or something like that. I don't know. But Hugh and I were at the premiere and and I never forget when she walked into the scene and uh, Daniel Craig uh, says something like, you know, looking looking particularly gorgeous. Is it Moneypenny, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just that was a real pinch me moment because she looked sensational in it really really gorgeous in it see the young girl that went fabric shopping with her father in Chester would have lived for that moment yes I think so but do you know what it's it's never been the moments that have driven me it's been the woman that's driven me it's making the woman feel gorgeous and not necessarily the celebrity or the royal woman but whoever that woman is and, you know, I, I suppose as a woman, I'm particularly sensitive to knowing how we change, how we evolve, how how clothes can impact us and knowing how life is, is a challenge. And if I can do something that helps a woman feel a better version of herself, then job done for me. I love that these women have chosen you to dress them in these very key moments, even down to Carrie Johnson wearing a blue two-piece of yours, a two-piece trouser suit at the G7 summit as she welcomed the world's leaders. But that was what I really, really loved about that is she'd rented it. She'd rented it from, from my wardrobe HQ and I just thought, fantastic, you, you know, really yes, you're wearing Wakely and you look great in it, but you've rented it and someone else can have the chance to wear it and someone else and someone else. And um, actually some of my archive with my wardrobe HQ, because you can't buy Wakely anymore. Yes, you can buy it secondhand or, or you know, vintage or whatever. Um, but to be able to allow a wider audience still to, to dip into the brand is, is, was actually is important to me. It's huge amounts. And listen, I know that there's a million pictures in, in existence of the Demi Moores and the Charlize Theron's and the Helen Mirren's wearing your your dresses and your creations on red carpets. But the ones that we've just spoken about are about women in who are not just they're having their photo taken. These are women that are taking office as prime minister, stepping out as a member of the royal family for the first time, withdrawing uh, from life as a member of the royal family publicly. These are huge moments and these are not women that are just stood there they are moving through a massive moment and there you are literally you know the dress on their back that's that's I think that's the ultimate compliment it it really is it's you know it it's wonderful and you know at at some point I will get all of those pieces out again and, and sort of celebrate them um, but yes, it's it's a massive privilege, massive privilege, and, and makes me smile and hopefully made them smile. Well, listen, you know what? Well, I, I hate to think of a world where you don't design again, um, oh. but I hope that you don't put yourself under the enormous pressure that you have in the past and that you can continue to live 
a lighter life, enjoying new experiences because everything you've acquired by way of knowledge and wisdom is being beautifully placed elsewhere. And I, I wish you nothing but success with whatever you design for yourself next. Well, you are so kind. Thank you. That is the most beautiful thing to say. And I, I hope you know I'll give it my all. I don't doubt that for a second. I thank you so much for your time today. It's been really, it really has been an education talking to you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's been incredibly thought-provoking and I have enjoyed it so much. Oh, thanks, Amanda. Brilliant. Thanks, Kate. Take care. And if you'd like to hear Amanda talking to some of the great and the good from the world of entertainment about their fashion history, uh, then don't forget to download Amanda Wegley's Style DNA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us here, well, fear not, our back catalogue is fit to burst like a well-stocked wardrobe with episodes from the likes of Amanda Decadene, Emma Barnett, Nikki Chapman, Ulrika Johnson, Kate Silverton, Michelle Visage, Kate Lawler, Hannah Waddingham, Sarah McDonough, and many, many more. My thanks to you, as always, for your company and to Maria Nibs and the Yahoo Studios team who produced the show with me. Editing is by Andy Axon and our music comes courtesy of Andy Bell. I'll be back next Friday with more great guests. Until then, thanks for listening. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.